the trip from Campeche to Merida or Merida, however you decide to want to pronounce it, it was quite straightforward. And we also discovered how good Mexican buses were, in fact, how good they still are, in all fairness. It was a simple journey, didn't take that long. The bus was comfortable. You've got their TV blaring with, you know, Mexican soaps or whatever it was they're watching. The service is efficient, nicely air-conned, which is always useful when it's about 33 degrees outside. We've been to quite a few countries. We'd experienced quite a few bus journeys on quite a few bus lines throughout our time in, in Latin America. And then we found that overall Mexican buses or the Mexican bus experience was probably the best that we'd come across. Now, Merida is the largest city in the Yucatan. If you're not sure where the Yucatan is, it's, as Mexicans would like to say, it's in southeast Mexico. Uh, it's on the Gulf of Mexico or in and around the area. Uh, Merida itself isn't on the coast. It's about 25, 30 kilometers from the coast. It's a city of about a million inhabitants, very large city, very popular city, not just with Mexicans, uh, people of Maya descent, uh, and also expats, uh, but also just in general, a very popular city to go and visit. The reason being is that you're not really able to get bored in, in Merida. There's loads to see and do, whether that's taking a stroll in the central plaza on Sundays. They close all of the uh, roads around it and people dress up and go out and they go out to be seen. So we've done that. That was quite cool to do. Loads of different areas of Merida as well. You've got to Santa Ana, Santa Lucia, San Juan. You know, plenty of areas to explore and go and visit. Loads of museums as well to see. And if you're lucky, and we didn't know this at the time, otherwise we would have done it, there is a special bus called the Ruta Puk, which only on Sundays uh, will take you down, uh, funny enough, uh, the Ruta Puk. Uh, so it visits a bunch of Maya sites, one after the other. And again, this bus only runs on Sundays. We didn't know it at the time, but if we had have known it, we would have we would have taken it. Uh, in in later years, I would take that bus, and my word, it was fantastic. Especially as you ended up in Ushmal, uh, which the Temple of the Magician. Google it. Probably, arguably, uh, the most one of the most recognisable Maya buildings in the world after Chichen Itza, and arguably Tikal. Merida itself, we arrived, we checked into a hostel, it was quite a nice hostel, loads of uh, a swimming pool, everything like that. We didn't end up doing too much in Merida um, in terms of being ridiculously active. There was a few uh, free walking tours that we took, they all started from the central plaza. There was also tours that you could do of um, the Palacio de Gobierno del Estado de Yucatan, so the, you know, the government office of, of Yucatan. And there's a couple of uh, other buildings around the main plaza that were also offering free tours. So we decided to do that, keep ourselves occupied. There was a festival going on in the south side of Merida, a music festival. We contemplated going, kind of then thought it was about 36 degrees at a time, decided against it. And a couple of the afternoons, we just milled around, milled around the hostel, uh, chatting with people in the hostel and having a laugh in the swimming pool. We did, however, do a couple of cooking lessons in the hostel. So a chef came in, we learned how to uh, produce tortillas. I think there's a couple of other things that we tried 
as well. I certainly remember tortillas. I think we went for enchiladas as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, cochinita pabil. We were told about cochinita pabil. Uh, it's an incredible dish. Uh, it's basically brilliantly cooked meat, normally cooked underground in the traditional style, um, served with uh, red onions, cooked red onions, put it in a, a tortilla, and it's absolutely divine. Uh, so if you're ever in and around the Yucatan, I do recommend some cochinita pabil. It is well worth it. It's probably the first time on our travels that we really, really felt the weather. Most of the Yucatan, that area of, of Mexico, it is hot, it's humid, it's like that all year round. We experienced a couple of rains as well, and, and when it rains, it pours. So that pretty much wiped us out for uh, one of the afternoons as well. When I look back on it, we probably could have got more out of Merida, and you know we probably realised that we could have got more. But we felt for the amount of walking that we'd done and from what we saw, it was a good enough taste of the area. The Mercado San Benito in the just to the southeast of the main plaza, some lovely food there. As you'd expect from a Latin American market, it's hustle, it's bustle. There's loads of sights, sounds, smells, all of those sorts of things. So we had a good walk around there. Up in north, just to the north of the main plaza, uh, you have the... Uh, Paseo Montejo. Merida can be known for a city of complete opposites, city of divides. You've got really posh, high-end restaurants, buildings, people, all that sort of stuff. And then you've got people that are at the, other end, at the other end of the spectrum. So not the greatest housing, you know, hard off, those sorts of things. You can pretty much see and do everything you need to in Merida. But the Paseo Montejo is the... Almost a creme de la creme. It is where uh, a lot of the hemp barons back in the 19th century have their houses. And you could just tell uh, walking up and down the Paseo Montejo that it, it oozes elegance. Absolutely oozes elegance. And we walked up as far as the Monumental Alapadria, which is a statue in or on a roundabout. It's also very interesting to get to there uh, as the roundabout has uh, five entrances and exits. So a good game of chicken if you fancy getting to that statue, especially as uh, last time I checked there were no lights there either. Any other funky thing that we've done, myself being a bit geeky, uh, there's a, a Museo de los Ferrocarriles. It's a, basically a train museum, not the same extent as the one in Ioni, back in Bolivia, where basically all the trains were knackered, uh, it was a scrap heap. This one had a mixture, it had a couple of uh, working trains, a couple of carriages, it's 20 pesos to get in, I mean, it's the you know, best 20 pesos I think I've ever spent in my life, without a shadow of a doubt, and, you know, we were taking around all these carriages, you know, learnt loads about, you know, the Mexican railways, uh, railways in the Yucatan that no longer are in working order. And bits and pieces like that. It's a great way to spend a couple of hours, a uh, great 20 pesos spent as well. The station, which is now not in use, at, well, at the time of visiting, wasn't in use. Uh, since our visit, there are talks of a, a Maya train uh, that goes around the Yucatan and you know, Cancun area and other bits and bobs like that. That's at the time of recording anyway, uh, that is currently being built. But whether they're going to use the Phenomenal train station at Merida is, is to be seen. But the old station building itself, delightful, absolutely delightful. It's just as you'd imagine one of the older termini 
within London. Imagine, not quite on the level of St Pancras as such, but certainly uh, your London Paddington's, your King's Crosses. Very elegant architecture for the railway buildings. We tried having a look, see if there's a game of football going. There wasn't. Uh, uh, the team were playing away, if I remember correctly at the time, which sucked. It is what it is. That's Merida in a nutshell. From there, it was pretty much on the the last leg of, of the journey. The last stop that we would make would be Valladolid in the heart of the Yucatan. It's a tiny place. It only holds about 40,000, 45,000 people. It's really, really not a big place at all. As I said, it's in the heart of the Yucatan. So from Valladolid, you can, within a couple of hours, you can get to Merida. Uh, you can get to Cancun in the east. Uh, you could also, in about an hour and a half, get down to Tulum on the southeast of Valladolid. Uh, you could also uh, go to uh, other places such as Rio Lagatos on the north coast of the Yucatan. Uh, also visit various ruins as well. Uh, it's the closest principal town to uh, the world famous Chichen Itza, uh, one of the seven modern wonders of the world. Uh, you can also from there get to other cool sites such as Ekbalam, uh, also Koba too. Many other things you could do in and around Valladolid. So we've got the bus out of Merida, a couple of hours down into Valladolid, dropped the bags off at the hostel, had a little walk around. Um, I said before that San Carlos de Bauloche is favourite town on the trip. I would say arguably Valladolid runs it a close second. And it it's for no particular reason apart from the general vibe that you get from the town itself. Yes, it's small. Yes, there's not really a lot going on. There are a few different things to see and do. But it was just at the time, it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. It was quaint. It was quiet. It was just very, very peaceful. But after checking in at the hostel, we knew first port of call would be to get to Chichen Itza. Went to the bus station, which was easy to locate, booked in bus tickets for the following morning. I think we were to leave at about quarter past six. And it's only a 45 minute journey to the gates of Chichen Itza. If you've never been to Chichen Itza before, as with most things in our travels, it's highly recommended. It's a wonderful complex. It's also famously, although not many people know it, it also sits on top of a cenote. Now a cenote is pretty much a body of water uh, in, I say a body of water, they're, they're almost like large sinkholes or caves, usually found in and around sedimentary limestone rock, which is quite popular on the Yucatan Peninsula, hence why in, in the Yucatan there are thousands, pretty much thousands of cenotes. But Chichen Itza sits on top of one, which not many people know. Uh, I only know that from having watched a program called Blowing Up History, uh, when they spoke about Chichen Itza and the the fact that it sits on top of Cenote. The Kukulkan Pyramid or El Castillo, the castle as it's known, is, is the principal attraction. It's incredibly well done. It's a, a wonderful pyramid. I mean, it's pretty much symmetrical. Uh, you do have a couple of sides uh, that they've sort of redone up. And then you've got the, the less photogenic side where it's not quite so much done up. If you Google a photo of it, you'll see what I mean. But in a nutshell, the really cool thing about Chichen Itza was the time that we got there. We arrived about seven o'clock in the morning, which at the time was about 30 minutes before it opened. There wasn't many people there at all. Once the gates had opened, we paid our you know, relatively 
relatively expensive tickets uh, to get in. We were finding that things were get, getting a little bit more expensive. And, and even so, there's still people nowadays that do believe that some of the sites that you have to pay to get in are quite expensive in Mexico. I would agree to a small extent, but it depends on your perception of how expensive something is or is not. At the time to us, we had budgeted for it. It's probably why uh, we spent a lot of time in uh, Merida not doing too much, knowing that we had to pay to get into Chichen Itza. You're only talking 15, 20 pounds, by the way, uh, when it comes down to expensiveness. And the site was absolutely wonderful. Was it the best site? Was it the best Maya site that we've visited? Probably not. I would argue that Tikal was better, in all fairness, because it just seems so much more remote. But El Castillo is absolutely wonderful. You can also walk around, look at the sacred cenote. So that's not the one that the El Castillo sits on. That's uh, down, um, I think it's a Sacaba, I think the Mayas call it. Basically means white road. Uh, they had a, a incredible road connections back in Maya times, and I believe they're called Sacabar. These roads could be any up to 10, 15, 20 meters wide. Incredible things of construction uh, and completely covered uh, most of the time in stucco as well. So I don't know how people would have walked on that because that would have been quite slippy, but it is what it is. So many other cool things on the site. You can see uh, the statue of Chacomol, uh, which is used for sacrifice at the Temple of Warriors. You've got the Great Market. As with most places, you've got the ball court, the great ball court, Temple of the Jaguars, uh, El Gavagol, which is the observatory, which is brilliant because it's a rounded building. And in from what we saw from my archaeology, <laughs> I've got to get that word right, and engineering, there weren't too many round buildings uh, that they produced. So the El Gavagol is a very cool building to see because it's rounded. I know what you're thinking, most observatories are going to be rounded, but from other sites that we had seen, their observation desk uh, areas had actually been square in build. Uh, Old Chichen as well uh, is wasn't open to public visits at the time, but you can see when we went anyway for the trees, you can see a little bit of the really older buildings there as well. We decided not to do a guided tour of, of Chichen Itza. Hindsight, we probably should have done. Then again, because of the uh, level of tourism at the site, we found that most of the uh, signs were in English, most of the information, sorry, was in English, uh, as well as Spanish uh, and then the Maya dialect as well. The best part of that day, as I said, was the fact that we got there in the morning. It was peaceful. We must have been there for about three, three and a half hours and there wasn't a lot going on. Uh, there was no mass tourism happening. It was absolutely wonderful. The reason for that is most people that will visit Chichen Itza will do so if they're on a journey between Merida and Cancun or vice versa and also where Cancun as we found out uh, or we kind of knew would be anyway is almost like the, the United States' playground. A lot of people uh, take their day trips to you know go and see Chichen Itza because it's absolutely fantastic and they normally wouldn't get there till late in the morning or lunchtime and that's what we found. Uh, the time that we started to leave which was about 11 half 11 we found that there's a lot of buses buses and coach loads of, of tourists uh turning up to look at the site it'd be interesting to know what they make of chichen itza we enjoyed it we thought it was a really good site we're glad that we've been but again if we're being honest we wouldn't reflect on it and say it's it's the best site 
that we've seen, not even the best Maya site. Uh, it's probably just very famous because of its location and the fact that it's very easy to get to for mass tourism. Not taking anything away from the site or the buildings there, it's nice to see. But going back, I would say arguably Takao probably a little bit better given its remoteness and its location as well. That's Chichen Itza, that is Merida. In the next episode, we will have uh, an experience, shall we say, with uh, some sauce. Yep, again, we hadn't learned our lessons, but this is a story you want to hang around for because it's hilarious. And then we finally make our way over to the final destination, Cancun. Catch us next week. Hasta luego.